Hello, you're so welcome to Open Arms Church. My name is Sean Booth, and the pastor here. I'm delighted to have you with us as this is week two of our series, The Church God Has Called Us to Be. And last week we looked at the question, what is the purpose of the church? You know, what is the need for church? Why do we go to church, whether online or in physical form? Or, you know, why are we a part of the church? And the answer to this question is so that we can fulfill the call that Jesus has given us to be the church, to be the body of Christ here on earth, to be ones who bring light into the darkness, to ones to be bring hope to our friends, our families, our neighborhoods, and our communities. And for us as a church, open arms, the church that God has called us to be, is to be a life-giving church with a vision to see people experience life change through Jesus Christ. So I hope that last week encouraged you. If you haven't watched it already or listened to it, please find it on podcasts or on our YouTube. But today, I want to look at a scripture that is not typically connected to our insight and our understanding of the church, but I believe it is one of the most important scriptures for us to, us to grasp and to understand in order for us to learn about the church that God has called us to be, and ultimately, the church that Jesus loves, the church that Jesus came to establish. You know, many people today, they may say that they love Jesus, but they do not love the church. There may be a number of reasons for, for this, maybe because of, you know, previous experiences, maybe because of, of experiencing uh, deep hurts and pain, maybe experiencing shame and guilt, maybe even experiencing abuse. You know, church is made up of people. And there's one thing that you can be certain of with people. People hurt people. People let each other down. This is why we must be filled with forgiveness and grace, as well as having wisdom and discernment, as well as having accountability in our leadership and within the structure of sh the church, ensuring that our church is led according to the Word of God. But when I'm talking today about loving the church, I'm not talking about loving the church as an institution, or loving the church as an organized religion, or loving the historical church that historically has abused, beaten, shamed people who has not has dishonored the word of God and has dishonored the name of Jesus. I'm not talking about that church. I'm talking about the church that God has called us to be, the church of Jesus Christ, the church that Jesus loves. And for us, each of us, me and you, to love the church, to aspire to become this church, to learn what it is that God has called us and who he has called us to be and imitate Jesus by being the church of Jesus. And so we're going to be today looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33. Turn with me there if you've got your Bibles or on your phone or iPad, whatever it is. But this is found in the New Testament. It is known as a epistle or a letter that Paul at this time he sent to the church in Ephesus. And he was sending them, teaching them about how to be the church, how to be formed together as a community. And in this particular scripture, as you may hear some familiar verses, I want to share with you exactly what Paul is conveying to us here, the church that is ultimately the church that's loved by Jesus. And so beginning in verse 21, he begins, Submit to one another, out of reverence for Christ. Reverence is to have a high regard 
or a deep respect. So out of respect for Christ, submit to one another, love one another. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, before you switch me off, you turn off this and say, okay, it's one of those sermons. It's not one of those sermons, okay? So just go along with me on this journey as I I believe that you're going to be pleasantly surprised. You're going to enjoy what I'm going to share with you through this scripture. But continuing on in verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church. I love that. He's called us to be a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for their own body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Firstly, let me say that this scripture almost scares every single preacher. It's like one of those scriptures that's like, you know, the, the bomb that's going to detonate and you got to get in there and you got you to cut the wire. There's loads of colored wires. If you explain the scripture in the wrong way, you bring the wrong interpretation, it can blow up in your face. And, you know, it is one of the most controversial scriptures, not just in Ephesians, not just in the New Testament, but in the entire Bible because... Traditionally, we have experienced that quite a lot of religious and legalistic people use it to manipulate and to control and to get across the message that they want to get across, and they say it in such a way that brings about condemnation, that brings about dominance more than anything else. But what if I told you that this is not all about what you think it's about? What if I told you that Paul here, yes, he's using the opportunity to teach husbands and wives about our roles and relationships within the context of marriage. And this is crucially important for all of us to understand, to have healthy relationships, how to be husband and wife with one another. But the central focus, the main point that Paul wants us to grasp and to understand is that this is all about Jesus and his church. It is all about Jesus and his church. It's about the relationship between Jesus Christ and his body, the ecclesia, the called out ones, his church. So Paul, he uses marriage, the relationship between husband and wife, as an illustration to illustrate the relationship between Jesus and the church. For marriage truly is a picture of the relationship between Jesus and his church. And at the center of every strong and healthy marriage is not submission, is not control, nor is it dominance, but at the center of every healthy marriage, every healthy relationship is love. 
Love is the central theme theme here. Love is what it's all about. It's about understanding one another's roles within the context of a relationship. It's about valuing one another. As the scriptures have, it's about having reverence for one another, a deep regard, a high respect, where you place each other first and foremost above everything else. And here's the title of my message today is this, Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves the church. I want to say, I I love the church. I am passionate about the church. I am motivated and inspired by the church, building the church, being a part of the church, being in the church, celebrating with one another. And I hope and pray today that you will love the church, that you will understand and learn more about the church and the church that God has called us to be. And it will be a love affair, one in which you fall in love, not just with Jesus, but ultimately with his bride, with the church. You know, during this pandemic, one of the things that I, I missed as being a pastor, one of the things that I get the honor to do is, is weddings. I, I love weddings for some pastors and leaders. You know, weddings are quite, you know, difficult and sometimes an irritant is something that they have to do. But I love weddings and I had the honor in these last year of marrying a couple of couples even during the restrictions and during the pandemic and it just it reminded me of such an honor it is to officiate the ceremony especially to go along the journey with a couple whether that's through pre-marriage or just being in relationship with them and I love certain certain moments in the in the ceremony in particular and certain times where especially this is is right before the bride comes in. And it is a moment where the groom often stands to my left. Oftentimes he's, he's staring forward, biting his nails. He, he's nervously standing there, maybe sweating profusely. He, he's bouncing from side to side with the anxiety and everyone is standing. The, the, the bridal procession has begun and there's a hush that comes on the room as the music rises to a crescendo And the bride begins her walk and I give the nod to the groom and he turns around and I watch his face as he sees his bride for the very first time walking in her dress and he is just filled with emotion. He is just filled with delight. He is just so excited, sometimes shedding a tear. I've had the experience, some grooms of absolutely blubbering like a baby, but there's such raw, sheer emotion, genuine, authentic love for one another as they lock eyes, as they embrace together. And Paul here, he's taking the example of marriage, of union between husband and wife. He's taking this as an example, and he's saying this. This is how Jesus loves the church. Just as a groom-to-be, a husband-to-be, looks upon his bride, that is how Jesus looks upon his church. He sees his church as beautiful. He sees his church with love, with emotion that goes beyond feelings. It is unconditional love. It is a love that is unbreakable. And this is the picture that Paul paints here between Jesus and his church. And this is how he calls us to love his church, to love the church of Jesus and I want to spend these next few moments sharing with you what this love looks like, how Jesus loves his church, but also how he's called us to view him and to be in relationship with Jesus as his church. So we're going to look at this scripture. 
We're going to break it apart. And we're going to see in-depthly what it is that God is saying through his word today. So very firstly, the first way that Jesus loves his church, you and me, firstly is as head. As the head. Verse 23 says Christ is the head of the church, his body. Sounds obvious, but where is the head? The head is at the top. The head is the source that commands and communicates to the body. This means that Jesus is in charge. Jesus is in authority. What does this mean for you and me? This means it doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter what we want. The question is, what does Jesus want? Lord, what do you want? What do you want for my life? What do you want for your church? What do you want as the head, as the church is ultimately led by Jesus according to his word? We are guided and governed by Jesus through his word. So we've got to keep asking at all times, Lord, what is it that you want? Because you're the head here. You're the leader of this church. This is your church. As you know, decisions get made in the head. Jesus is the one who ultimately determines the direction of the church. And we as leaders, we are the ones to hear from Jesus, to hear what he's saying, and to help lead and guide his church. But Jesus is the leader. He is the preeminent one. This means that everything else is surpassed by Jesus. He's above all else. This means that when we follow him, we follow him as head. We follow him as leader. And as the leader... He takes responsibility for us. That's what the definition of a leader is. A leader takes responsibility. And so for you and I, this is how it works. We sin against God, right? That is a fact. We have sinned. We struggle in our sin. We will sin and continue to sin. That's not Jesus' fault. That's our fault. He didn't make us sin we chose to sin. Yet, we read through Scripture that, that Jesus came in human form. Throughout human history, we see that he lives without sin. He lives as perfect, a perfect, obedient life. He goes to the cross. He substitutes himself for us. He pays for our sins upon the cross, and he pays our debt. And what he does is he takes responsibility for our lives. He takes responsibility for our wrongdoing. And so on the cross, Jesus is taking responsibility for things that are not his fault. Jesus is taking responsibility as the head. So Paul here, he's saying to men, men, husbands, you as the head of your family and the relationship, the marriage, this means taking responsibility at all times, even for things that are not your fault. This means abdicating blame. This means taking responsibility, whether or not it's your fault. This is how we love and lead like Jesus, because Jesus loves and leads his church by taking responsibility as the head. Here's the second way that Jesus loves us. He loves us and loves his church as Savior. Verse 23 continues, Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. He is the Savior of the church. This means that we need to realize we cannot save ourselves. We need to realize that religions do not save us. 
Philosophies do not save us. Spirituality does not save us. Morality, by what we do or by what we don't do, does not save us, but we need someone who is unstained and untainted by sin, someone who is perfect to enter in and save us as our Savior. This is the good news of Jesus. This is the hope to which we hold on to, for Jesus has come as our Savior. He has come to save us from our sin, to save us from death, from hell, from Satan, to save us by his grace, to give us life, to give us hope. Therefore, we no longer have to look at our lives and say, who I was is who I am and who I will always be. We no longer need to look at our lives and see that our identity is determined by what we've done or by what we do. No, now we're given a new identity as being ones who are sons and daughters of the Most High God because we've been saved by our sin, by our saved of our sins, by His grace, and therefore now the Savior, He gives me a new identity. Now He determines a new destiny for my life, and He's come as my Savior. Jesus says in John fourteen six, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to, fa- to the Father but through Me. He alone is our Savior." And here's the question I want to ask you: Do you know Him as Savior? Has he rescued you? Do you know him as your rescuer? Do you know him as the one who is the head of your life and as the head has taken responsibility for your life and who has saved you from your sin? And if you don't, today you can place your faith in him and know him as your savior. And here's the third way that Jesus loves us as his church is as giver. As verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is one way that he displays his love for us. You see, the world, the world doesn't understand or display this love this way because our, our world and society is an entitlement society, an entitlement culture where we're more concerned about our rights than our responsibilities. We're more concerned about what we receive than what we give. What we see here is that love is not just about what we feel. Love is a commitment to action. Love is to be compelled to give, to be compelled to sacrifice, to give out of generosity. What do you give your time to? What do you give your energy to? What do you give your possessions and your wealth to? Well, this shows us who we love. We, it shows us that we display our love for one another by what we give to each other. And Jesus, he loved the church so much that he gave himself up for her, just like a husband is to give to his wife and continue to give of himself in the entire, every day in the marriage and the relationship is the same way that Jesus gives himself for his church. The greatest way that we can express and show our love for the church is to give to what Jesus gave, is to give to his church, to give of our time, to give of our treasure, to give of our energy, to give of our lives to the church. Why? Because that is what Jesus gave himself to. Because he loves the church. Jesus is a giver. And when you and I, we, we learn to be givers, it transforms our life. Because when we learn to be a giver, we become a better husband, a better wife. We learn to be givers. We learn to become better parents. We learn to become a better friend. Why? Because when you give from your heart, when you give from your time, 
when you give from your treasure, your possessions and your wealth, you're now flipping the switch. You're now flipping the way our world learns to display love where the world lo uh, loves to be able to, to use people in order to get things. But now we learn as givers, we love people by giving and demonstrating that, by giving things, by giving of our love, by demonstrating it by acts of generosity, by living in such a way where we are to give to others. Here's the fourth way that Jesus loves us as his church is as redeemer. Verse 26 and 27 says, to make her holy, cleansing her. Another way of saying is, is, is redeeming her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What does this mean? This means that we are unclean. We are full of guilt and shame. We are stained and affected by our sin and by our wrongdoing. And religion says this. It says, you need to get yourself sorted before you come to God. You need to be clean before you come to God. You need to have your life sorted before you come to God. You see, religion is reaching up to God. Religion is striving to receive his love and grace where relationship with Jesus is him reaching down to us, him giving himself to us, him acting as our redeemer, freely giving of us his love and his grace and mercy. And Jesus says this, he says, come as you are, but as he redeems us, we don't stay as we are, but we become who he's called us to be so that we can fulfill that which he's called us to do and made us to do. He, he loves us as redeemer. Though, yes, we may be broken, we may not have our lives sorted and everything sorted out. So therefore, come to Jesus and allow him to go on the journey of life with him. For he loves us as redeemer. He loves us as that in which he can change us and shape us into who he's called us to be. And here's the fifth and final way that Jesus loves us as his church is as provider and protector. Verse 28 says, in the same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their own body. One translation says they nourish and cherish their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. You know, a lot of this language is of Jesus loving his church is of a husband loving his wife. I don't know about you, have you, ever, have you ever met a woman who's in a relationship and she's really being unloved? She's not being cared for, nurtured. She's not being cherished and giving what she needs, providing for her and protecting her. When you see and you meet people like this, you see a deep loss, a deep sadness because they're not receiving that which what they were promised at the beginning of the marriage. They're not receiving that which they need, which they desire. And have you ever met a woman who is deeply loved within the marriage, who, who, who is cared for, who is nourished and cherished, who is protected, where you can see this deep, authentic love between husband and wife where, where together they're in this, there's unity, there's commitment. That is a relationship that you know will blossom will flourish, will cherish. But Jesus' desire for 
us as his church is that we will be provided for and protected so that we will flourish, so that we will grow, so that we will become who he's called us to be, so that we as the church will receive that which what we need. This is how Jesus loves his church. And ultimately, as we see in verse 31, finally, for this reason, what reason? To receive the love of Jesus, to know and understand Jesus as our head, as giver, as redeemer, as our, our, our savior, as the provider and protector of our lives. This is a man will leave his father and mother. This means that we will leave dependence, dependence on others, dependence on the old ways, dependence on ourselves. He will leave his old life and be united to his wife, the church, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound ministry, but I'm talking about Christ and the church, Jesus and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, after going through this scripture in depth and asking the question, what is this all about? Well, we see here that six times in a small few verses, we see that the word love is used. Love is the central theme. Love is the focus. And in our culture, there's many different ways of defining love and expressing love. You know, people are searching for love. They will do just about anything to find love. They'll go to an island for love. They'll turn to an app for love. They'll do anything to find love. And we can see here that no matter what way we try and search for and find love, we'll never find true love until we find love in Jesus. And we see here a perfect picture of what love is. We see here that love is described as a great mystery, one that is revealed through Jesus and the relationship between Jesus and his church. Now this has been revealed to us. That which was previously unknown is not just explained to us, but it's expressed to us. Now love walks among us in human form as Jesus Christ. We now see what love is. We now know what love is. And in turn, Paul here is saying, now love as Jesus loves his church. Wives love your husbands. Husbands love your wives. He's saying for each of us, love one another. This is how God has called us as a church, the church that is to love one another just as Jesus has loved us. We are called to love one another for Jesus loves his church. He's passionate about his church and he's called us to love one another. He's called us to love his church, to take care of his church, to be his church, to steward his church, to protect his church, to to be providing for one another as the church. The question I want to ask you today, is this the church that you can be a part of? Is this the church that you say, I can be this church. I can be committed to this church. I can call myself a part of this community, the church. I I'm not just going to go to church. I'm going to be the church. You know, maybe you have never given your life to Jesus and recognized him as the Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you've never made that commitment for him to become the head of your life, the guide, the director, the director of your life. Maybe you've never experienced him as the redeemer, 
as the giver of life to you, as the provider and protector for you. I want to invite you today to place your faith in Jesus, to give your life to him, and experience him in a miraculous way, a transformational way, where now your life is forever changed. For now your life is led, governed, guided by your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you want to commit your life to Jesus today, I'd love for you to pray with me. It's a very short and simple prayer, but it's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of receiving salvation. So maybe if you want to just close your eyes where you are, just as you're driving or as you're watching or as you're listening, in your heart, pray these words with me. Say, Jesus, I want to receive the gift of everlasting life. I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. Today I choose to follow you. I believe that I am set free and I am forgiven. And by your grace, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to celebrate with you. What we'd love you to do is just go to openarms.ie forward slash connect, and on there you'll see a very simple form. Fill out some of your details. Tick the relevant box and committing my life to Jesus. You'll see there also a number of options, and one of them is next steps. We'd love you to tick that box, next steps, and come to our once-a-month Zoom on the first Wednesday of every month where a group of us gather together we share our story and we hear about the story of the church and the vision and values of the church and we really get to hear you and connect in with one another and help you get plugged into the life of the church. So also, if you have not yet been, we'd love you to come to church on a Sunday morning. Come in Dublin at 10 and 11.30 as our services or in Newbridge at Kildare. Come at 10.30 and 12.30. We'd love to have you in person. But let me pray for you today as we finish our service. Lord, I pray that you will bless us and keep us, that you will make your face shine upon us and give you our peace. Uh, give us your peace by your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that you have a great week. We look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.